Welcome everyone to another episode of Hold My Flashlight, where I tell your tales of true crime, paranormal, and the unexplainable. Our first story was given to me by Reddit user Nudaho, titled, I live in an apartment where an infamous child murder occurred. In 2009, the national media got swept up in a story about an eight-year-old who had been reported missing by his mother. Amber alerts went out, thousands of people joined the search, but for days he wasn't found. His mother was on TV asking for help finding her son at all hours of the day. Then a few days later, he was found, floating in one of the irrigation canals. Upon investigation, it was discovered that the mom's boyfriend was doing unspeakable, evil things and physically abusing the boy. For punishment, he would be locked in the walls, an unfinished closet for access to the central air and heating unit, and he had to stay in there for hours. Health and welfare would do routine check-ins at the home, during which time the mother and her boyfriend would lock the boy in the closet so they wouldn't see the bruising from the most evil punishments in which the boy had to lay on the floor and the mom's boyfriend would do knee drops onto his chest and with force. You get the picture. I do not want to get more graphic. The mother and her boyfriend then took the body half a mile to the canal and dropped it in, went back home, and called in the missing child report. For justice sake, the mother and her boyfriend are now in prison in general population, a fate worse than the death penalty for people who hurt children. Fast forward four years to 2013. My wife and I were looking for an apartment for us and our two children. We got into a three-bedroom apartment that sets the rent pay based on your income. There's a pool, a fitness center, an in-unit washer and dryer, central air and heat, paradise compared to where I lived before. We had no idea what we were moving into. As I began to make friends with my neighbors, I got to talk to some of the old-timers, the ones that had been living there for years. We would talk about a lot of different things, but as soon as they found out which apartment I lived in, oh, you live in that apartment? Have you had anything weird happening yet? No, why? Do you remember that child's case? You live in that apartment. During the search and discovery coverage, the news was very careful not to disclose the actual location where it all occurred. They showed a house a few blocks away where the boy would often go because his friends lived there. We had no way to know what we'd just moved into. Our state doesn't have a mandatory disclosure law. Well, the lack of activity was short-lived. Odd, but little things started happening. If I took off my glasses and set them down while they defog after I came in from the cold, I would come back to that spot a few minutes later and my glasses would be gone. And then after a while, I would finally find them, right where I had left them in the spot they were. And then they weren't. And then they were. 
and I'm talking about the middle of a clean counter on a ledge right by the door, not something I'm just going to overlook. They were there, then they weren't, and then they were. I initially chalked this up to the fact that I'm getting older and I have MS. I'm also a tobacco smoker. Numerous times I looked and looked and couldn't find the lighter I just had an hour ago. Finally, I would go to the kitchen drawer and grab the box of matches and head out to the patio. Just as I got the match to lit and touch it to the tip of my cigarette, something fell on my hand and clattered to the ground at my feet. I looked down, and there's my lighter. Also, a fun one that happens... I shave when I'm in the shower and I keep my razor in a cradle hanging from the shower head. I'll be on the other end of the bathtub soaping up and feel something hit my back and then fall on the floor. My razor mysteriously traveled four feet through the air and hit me in the back. Most of the stuff that happens is small, mischievous, and funny. The kind of jokes and pranks a child would play. And now I've taken to saying hello to him every time something like that happens. But as more happens, and I research more about the case, so much more comes to light about things that had been happening and I didn't know why. My daughter's room has the closet where the air and heat unit is housed. She would always complain about hearing scratching, banging, and occasionally a voice coming from the closet. We are on the ground floor, and there are living, fleshy children upstairs. Apartments away have sounds. No, Dad. The sound is in the closet. I still explained it away about the way sound travels and amplifies in heating ducts. Until the breaker on the heater popped, and I had to go in and reset it. And then I saw... Scratched into the wood frame and the walls half hidden by years of dust, the murdered child's name. I sanded it out so my daughter wouldn't see it and get freaked out. We can't afford to find another place to live in this city. Occasionally, when my son and I are talking crap and both of us bust out laughing, there is another laugh in the room with us, but my wife and daughter are in the other rooms, or not at home. This all brings me to the point where I just have to tell the story because it just happened for the first time 20 hours ago as of the time I'm writing this. My wife and I both woke up at the same time because we heard someone whispering in our room. As my eyes first opened, I saw a young boy kneeling next to my bed, reaching out for my little dog who was sleeping next to me. Not a transparent apparition either solid appearing and kneeling right next to the bed and trying to pet the dog. As consciousness and my connection to reality increased, the boy faded away into the ether. Ordinarily, I could attribute this to me just still being asleep and dreaming, but I saw my wife moving off the bed toward the bathroom as he faded away in front of my fully opened eyes. Our next story was given to me by someone who would like to remain anonymous. Titled, 
inhuman growling noises coming from the backyard. My folks wanted to renovate my old room I used to sleep in when I lived with them. I went to help them out during the weekend with the renewal, and all went smoothly. We threw away the old beds and furniture and gave a fresh coat of paint. Since we threw out the old bed, I had to sleep in a different room. My mom offered for me to sleep on the couch, but I refused since it's very uncomfortable and I'm quite a large guy, so I decided I'll sleep downstairs. For context, the house is two stories, a ground floor with a guest bedroom, which used to be my grandmother's bedroom, but she passed away, and a second floor where we basically used to live overall. Very rarely do we go to the ground floor. The floors are connected by stairs which are on the outside, as there are no stairs in the house. So I said goodnight and went to the guest bedroom. I grabbed a snack and put on a TV series to watch. This goes on from about 10pm till 1.15-1.30 in the morning when I decided to sleep. I start drifting off to sleep when I suddenly hear a knock on the window. Three knocks like someone asking if anyone's there. The knocking was very faint, however, so I thought it may have just been normal house noises or just the wind since I was sleeping near an open window. About one to two minutes pass after the first knocking and it goes again. I start getting a little anxious at this point, so I stand up and listen. A couple of minutes after the knocking, there's this inhuman growl from outside. It sounds like it's coming from the edges of the backyard. Then another couple moments of silence, and then it knocks again. Now at this point, I'm starting to shit bricks, and this happening repeatedly in knocks, and then growls on the other side of the backyard. So I text my girlfriend to try and share this with someone, so I get some stress off of me at least. She tells me to record it. I make four recordings and from my phone I could not hear anything. The sound stopped after about 30-40 minutes. It wasn't easy falling asleep after that. The next day I woke up to see if I could actually hear anything in the recordings. I enhanced one of them and caught the growling. Our next story was given to me by Reddit user ScaryStories74, titled My Mom Saw Her Dad When She Was Dying. My mom was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 1999. She was stage 4 and doctors didn't give her much hope to live past 3 to 6 months. They started her on an aggressive form of treatment, including Rituxan. She responded well and went into remission in December of 2000, but about three months later, she got a really bad sore throat and relapsed. The cancer was back and more aggressive than ever. Fast forward to October of 2001. My mom didn't come to work to our shop one day and wouldn't answer the house phone. I went to see her after work and the door was locked. She finally came to the door and was confused and dizzy. I rushed her to the hospital, where we were told her cancer had broken the blood-brain barrier. 
She was admitted, and I was told she maybe had a few weeks to live. She had lost her ability to speak to me, but she knew who I was. They tried an experimental treatment, and it worked for a few days, and she was speaking and very aware of her surroundings and me. I knew it was going to be over soon, and she even said, I've raised you right, and it's time for me to go soon. My dad had passed a few months before suddenly, and it was the worst year of my life. I came to see her the next day and could hear her talking in German and thought one of her friends were visiting. I came into the room and no one was there. I asked her, who are you talking to? She said Papa and started giggling. I said, yeah, okay, and sat with her. The next day, she had a massive seizure and almost bit her tongue off. They had to place a stint in her mouth and place her under anesthesia to stop the seizures. She passed away at 5 a.m. on November 2nd, 2001. I was comforted by the excellent nurses in hospice and told them she must have been losing it because she was talking to herself. The nurses looked at each other and said she did it all the time. She would have full-blown conversations with someone for hours on end. They asked her who she was talking to and she said her dad and that he'd been seeing her soon. Problem is... Her dad was killed in World War II Holland on November 1st, 1944. The nurses also told me they thought they heard a man's voice in her room at times, but when they entered, no one was there, and she had a huge smile on her face. I miss her dearly, but I know she's in a better place, free of that misery. Our final story was given to me by Reddit user Swarple, titled, Just Open the Door. This happened in my senior year of college, and I lived off campus. I had two roommates in my apartment, townhouse sort of thing, named Natalie and Katie. Anyways, Katie was out that night doing homework in one of the school buildings, and I was awoken at 3 a.m. when I heard some knocking at the door downstairs. I thought that was weird, considering the hour, but I figured somebody had the wrong place and would realize and leave. The knocking didn't stop, though, and I lied in bed for a good several minutes, thinking, Yeah, they'll go away now. They'll go away. They'll get bored. As one might expect, though. I started to grow confused, and then kind of freaked out by this person's persistence. Then the knocking turned into banging, and I couldn't ignore it anymore. Honestly, I probably should have called the police instantly, but it was the middle of the night and I was just... confused. So I headed to the top of the stairs to see Natalie standing near the door, staring at it. Her room was on the bottom floor, so she had just woken up to it. We exchanged a baffled look because, what the heck, it's 3 a.m., this is weird. Natalie called out and asked them who they were and what they wanted. We're friends of Katie's. 
said the voice on the other end, who sounded male and about our age. We know her boyfriend. We heard she was feeling down, so we came to surprise her. That was already a weird story, because again, three in the morning. But thankfully, Katie wasn't even home, so we both informed them of this. Katie's not here, she's off doing something else. Good, they're going to leave, right? They came here to see Katie, she's not here. They'll leave us alone and we can go back to sleep. Just open the door. I know, I know. If I hadn't called the police before, I definitely should have done it now. It was weird, though. That night, I realized why people do stupid stuff in horror films. Not only had I been woken up out of nowhere, but it feels surreal to be in a situation like this. Like there's no way you could actually be in danger. That only happens in horror movies, true crime documentaries, and in questionable creepy stories online. It would never happen to me. I'm just a random, boring, ordinary person going about my business. I don't need to call the police. I'm sure this will get cleared up and everything will be fine. So yeah, Natalie and I did the stupid thing and tried to argue with them. We told them that again, Katie wasn't there. There was no need for them to stay. Eventually, Natalie asked what their names were. Throughout the encounter, we made out two distinct voices, but only one gave us a name, and I texted Katie without telling him, asking if she was friends with someone with that name. After a couple minutes, during which we were still arguing with the stranger, Katie replied, I am, but I don't think she knows where I live. That wasn't good. But even worse. She? The person on the other side of the door had a male voice. So this was a real name, but not the real person. Whoever this was knew stuff about Katie, like who she hung out with. I told Katie to stay where she was and not to come back until we told her everything was okay. Finally, we told the guys that if they didn't leave, we were going to call the police. No, 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 no. Don't call the police. Don't call the police, okay? If we wanted to do something bad, we already would have done it, right? Yeah. That last bit wasn't helping their case. Just open the door, okay? The attempts at reasoning with them basically devolved into them telling us just open the door, just open the door over and over again, until we finally actually did call the police. We hid in Natalie's room and dialed 911 and explained what was going on. Thankfully, there was a police station close by so it wouldn't take long for them to arrive. Unfortunately, I made the mistake of heading back into the living room and yelling through the door that we called the cops. But contrary to what you might think, that actually didn't seem to scare them at all. They seemed only mildly upset and kept arguing. To this day, I can only assume they just didn't believe us or something. Then we heard a neighbor's home door swing open in a very pissed off man's voice. If you don't leave right now, I'm calling the police. For whatever reason, that was what caused them to freak out and they drove off. The police arrived and we told them the whole story. Natalie revealed that a couple of times she had just barely peeked through the blinds of a window close to the front door and she noted that there were two guys, but only one of them was ever at the door at any given time.
They would switch with one at the door and the other sitting in the driver's seat of the car parked out front, presumably for getaway purposes. So, yeah, that's reassuring. They also hadn't looked drunk, according to Natalie, and they definitely hadn't sounded like they were drunk. There wasn't much the police could do besides sweep the area a bit, but they told us that if the strangers showed up again to immediately call instead of engaging with them at all. One of the officers did give us some self-defense tactics and told us what kinds of households, items, and chemicals would work best for self-defense. After making sure everything was okay and reassuring us, they left and we eventually called Katie and told her the weirdos were gone. She arrived and was understandably a bit shaken herself. We sat down and asked her who might have known where she lived. She did know people who had come to the apartment, so some people certainly, but Natalie hadn't recognized the guys outside as any previous visitors. Worse, it turned into that not only did they know Katie's friend's name, but they claimed to know her boyfriend, even though he didn't even live in the state where we were going to school. She swore up and down she didn't know anyone who would want to hurt her. By this point, it was around 5 a.m., so I didn't even bother going to sleep since I was going to a workshop that morning. I told a lot of my classmates the story and it freaked them out too. In the entire day, Natalie and I jumped at every unexpected noise, every shadow, every random movement. That night, it was hard to sleep. I expected to hear knocking at the door any second. Thankfully, they didn't come back. Ever. But that almost makes things more unsettling. I'll never ever know what they wanted that night. Did they think we were hiding Katie? Was she seeing less than savory people in secret? Did they want to hurt her? If they did, did they never give up and go looking for her elsewhere? Was all of this just an excuse to get into an apartment of young women? Did they want to kidnap us, hurt us, rob us? Who knows? I try not to let it bother me, but I wish I knew if my life was in danger that night. I have the feeling it might have been. After all, they weren't wearing face coverings, so if they wanted to commit a violent crime, they might want to get rid of the witnesses. That's all I have for y'all this evening. If you have a story of your own that you would like to submit, you may do so by emailing it to me at holdmyflashlight at gmail.com or by posting in the subreddit r slash holdmyflashlight. I also have a YouTube channel where I post these same stories if you'd wish to follow me there. You can also follow me on Twitter at HMFstories. If any of y'all are particularly interested in helping this podcast grow, you may follow me on Patreon as well. Alright everyone, happy Halloween.